This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20. The Old Testament is wonderful in that it gives us many views of how God looks after his people and how God turns impossible situations into miraculous victories. We're going to read about uh, two battles in uh, 1 Kings chapter 20 tonight. In this chapter, we have two main characters. We have Ahab, king of Israel, and Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. Now, Ahab is an interesting character. Ahab, as you recall, a few chapters before that was there on Mount Carmel when uh, Elijah the prophet had the big standoff with the prophets. And if there's one thing many of us would have liked to maybe seen in the Bible was that time when the fire came down from heaven and burned up the sacrifice. Uh, so Ahab had seen, he had seen God at work, and we see in this chapter, the two battles, again, how God miraculously delivered his people. So Ahab had seen God at work. That said, the key, and we'll be talking about this in a moment, in this, uh, this, this chapter, is how the word of God was taken and used, and the miraculous came because of the word of God was followed. You read on a couple of chapters, and we see Ahab had sort of turned his back on the word of God. And what happened, of course, there was defeat, and Ahab ended up losing his life. Um, there's a verse that sort of sums up Ahab's uh, life, and I don't think I would like to preach in this one, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Uh, chapter 21, verse 25 of uh, 1 Kings. I'll read it for you. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. <laughs> <laughs> was he blaming the wife for all his uh, trouble? <laughs> I know uh, Pastor spoke about Jezebel in the past, but um, in a series that he did about uh, good women and, and, and not so good women. So there's a story to be told there. Uh, but we're not going to study Ahab tonight. We we'll want to think about how God moved in this situation. So chapter, First uh, Kings chapter 20, and we're reading verse 1. Now Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his forces together. Thirty-two kings were with him, with horses and chariots, and went up and besieged Samaria, and made war against it. Then he sent messengers into the city of Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, Thus says Ben-Hadad, Your silver and your gold are mine, your loveliest wives and your children are mine. And the king of Israel answered and said, O Lord my king, just as you say, and all that I have are yours. Then the messengers came back and said, Thus speaks Ben-Hadad, saying, Indeed I have sent to you, saying, You shall deliver to me your silver and your gold, your wives and your children. But I will send my servants to you tomorrow by this time, and they shall search your house and the houses of your servants, and it shall be whatever is pleasant in your eyes, they will put in their hands and take it. So the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said to them, Notice, please, and see how this man seeks trouble. For he sent to me for my wives, my children, my silver, and my gold, and I did not deny him. 
And all the elders and all the people said to him, Do not listen or consent. Therefore he said to the messengers of Ben-Hadad, Tell my lord the king all that you sent for to your servant the first time I will do, but this thing I cannot do. And the messengers departed and brought back word to Ben-Hadad and sent to him and said, The gods so do to me, and more also, if, even, uh, if enough dust is left of Samaria for a handful for each of the people who follow me. So the king of Israel answered and said, Tell him, let not one who puts on his armor boast like the one who takes it off. And it happened when Ben-Hadad had heard this message, as he and his kings were drinking at the command post, that he said to his servants, get ready. And they got ready to attack the city. Now, we're just going to pause there for a moment. This is a fairly serious situation for Ahab and his people. There's 32 kings gathered up against them. That's a lot of people coming against you. That's a lot of people that don't have your well-being at heart. And the king basically was panicking. What are we going to do? The first message, of course, came and said, look, give me your wives and your gold. Ahab had no problem about saying, yeah, take my wives and take my children. <laughs> you know? But when they said about, oh, give us all your finest possession. Oh, no, no, I no, don't want to take all our good stuff. But he called the elders together, and they had a bit of a standoff. But basically, when the word went back to Ben-Hadad saying, no, we're not going to do that, that was the red ragged bull. How dare they say they're not going to conform? And basically, Ben-Hadad said, right, guys, let's get ready. Let's go to war. We then have a wonderful intervention. There was a lot of firepower going to come against Ahab and God's people. All these kings were gathered. Uh, Ben-Hadad was angry. He was on a mission to destroy them. Verse 13 is a wonderful verse. Suddenly, a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, you have seen all this great multitude. Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. In all situations in life, we need a verse 13 where the word of God comes, where the prophet comes, yeah. where there's divine intervention. Yeah. You may look whatever circumstances you face. Maybe it's things that you can't even just get your head around. Maybe you're confused. Maybe it's a problem. Work, family, health. You know, there were an awful situation, 32 kings. The odds were not good, but the prophet came. And I just said, suddenly, suddenly, from nowhere, the word of God came. Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding even to the simple. The word of God is what makes the difference in any situation. No matter what we come across in life, there is a word, there is a way from God that changes the situation. That's the fact that in some ways, they maybe just didn't know what to do. But God, in his mercy, sent a deliverer. He sent, in his gracious love, somebody that could guide them and lead them. How we need to seek the word of God. In Ephesians 6, of course, we know the importance of the word of God. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with his prayer and supplication in the spirit. So we're told that the word of God is a, is a weapon. And again, we see um, in Psalm 32, 
I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. So God has a, a desire that his word and his way be made known to mankind, to his people. And this is the experience that came in this battle. One of the things I like about the word of God is, in some ways we had a headline word, you know. The headline word was, Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. But it goes on in verse 14 to actually give a battle plan. So Ahab said to the prophet, By whom? And he said, Thus says the Lord, by the young leaders of the provinces. Then he said, And who will set the battle in order? And answered, You. Not only did Ahab get a word from the prophet that said, It's going to be all right. You know, I'm going to deliver you. But he actually gave instructions. He was saying, this is how you're going about it. This is how you're actually going to do it. And this is a wonderful way how God works. Not only can he give us a big promise, but he can actually give us clear instructions about how to do stuff. I mean, the Bible is full of things. For example, we know where, where we're told, march around the city seven times, seven days, and you know, on the seventh day, march around it seven times and blow your trumpets clear instructions. We know how when the leper was told uh, Naaman, you know, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Even we know the disciples were told, cast your nets on the other side of the the boat. You know, there's clear instructions. Uh, Jehoshaphat was told, put the singers out front. And these are ways that you would never think of. I mean, there's a way that God has which is the deliverance, which brings the deliverance. So as well as having the big headline, yes, God's going to do it, but he gives a clarity and he gives a guidance. And this is the the joy that we can actually know, a word from God that gives a clarity in every situation. We even had, you know, when the the ten lepers came, they were told, "Go go show yourselves to the priests, you know. So again, the Bible's full of it, and I'm sure we can recite loads of different instances, things that have, we can see in the Bible that give clarity about how God things gives uh, direction. And this shouldn't be, you know, a surprise to us, and, and particularly as, as Pentecostals, we believe in the working of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, you know, which, which give direction. And many people have stood here at this altar and God has spoken in a very direct and clear way into their situation. You know, we have the Spirit to, and the gifts of the Spirit which are very, very important and which are there to help each of us and to help us as a body to grow. But we also have a wonderful verse in, in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 16, and it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct it, us, him, but we have the mind of Christ? As God's people, if we can grasp how that sort of communication line is open, we actually can have the very mind of Christ. You know, there is a way that God wants to communicate with us that is direct, which is clear, and which God wants to make sure that we can get the His will be done. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be near Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have a part to play in in seeking that. We can seek the Lord's will in every situation. And sometimes we need to seek it about things that we need to do. Uh, Maybe if we're sick, we need to call the elders. 
You know, maybe if we have a problem with uh, 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 somebody else in the, the fellowship, you know, what we're told that if there is a, any division, you know, lay down your gift and sort it out before you come to the altar. Maybe we need some confession of our sins. There's things we need to do um, as God would lead us and direct us. Um, and certainly as God would put on our hearts, as, and the whole idea of conviction, you know, is when God is working on our hearts, then in the first time we came to Christ, it's the spirit that works within us. So in every situation we face, seek that, uh, that guidance, that direction from the spirit. We have a promise from, and we see this in Isaiah 30, 21, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the left hand or wherever you turn to the left, God loves to speak to his people. You know, whatever situation, whatever uh, challenge, you shall hear, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This was how they won their battles. Um, and if we were to read on, I'm not going to continue just reading the wee bit, we will see how the battle was won. Verse 22, we're going to pick it up again. After the battle was won, right, and the prophet came to the king of Israel and said to him, go strengthen yourself and take note and see that you should, what you should do, for in the springtime of the year, the king of Syria will come against you again. So after the first victory, how they followed the word of God, the prophet then at the end of it all said, look, it's going to come again. Be ready for it. And as we go through stuff, it's a faith-building exercise. There's a lovely verse in Jude 20, verse says, uh, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. There's a building up of our faith. You know, as we go through stuff, God shows us, well, you know, I moved with you yesterday. I moved with you today. I will be with you in the future. Our faith grows as we see God move. It, get, it just fills our hearts. It should do, you know. And we, we say, you know, count your blessings and name them one by one. If you were to actually list the things that God has done for you over your life, you'd be amazed at just how God has moved. And that sets you up for the next challenge, for the next thing that comes your way. Well, God was with me in the first battle. You know, I'm going to stand on that faith and be ready for the next battle. Verse 20. So, then the servants of the king of Syria said to him, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we. But if we fight them in the plain, surely we will be stronger than they. So do this thing. Dismiss the kings, each from his position, and put captains in their places, and you shall muster an army like the army that you have lost, horse for horse and chariot for chariot. Then we will fight against them in the plain. Surely we will be stronger than they. And he listened to their voices and did so. So it was in the spring of the year that Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Abhak to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were mustered and given provisions, and they went against them. Now the children of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats while the Syrians filled the countryside. Here we see the same problem again. Small army of God's people, big army coming against it. Uh, we don't know how many exactly were in this army. Um, from piecing between the two uh, accounts, 
Uh, we know at the end of the, uh, uh, the second or the, the first account that there's at least 127,000 died in the uh, second battle. And from the first account, uh, Ahab's army was 7,232. So uh, 127,000 against 7,200, 7, you know, is a big difference in the armies. But we know army size doesn't matter to God. The size of the problem doesn't matter to God. Whether it's a wee problem, a big problem, does it matter to God? No. There's no difference than the size of what the problem is for God. And this time, Ben-Hadad, he changed his strategy a bit. Who knows the devil likes to change his strategies? Things mix, things change from time to time. Because this time, he hadn't 32 kings. He got rid of the kings, because, you know, they lost the last time. And he got army men, you know, more like generals come in and try it slightly different. But the big thing here was what they were saying is, God of, the, of Ahab, God's, Ahab's God, they can only win if we're fighting them in the hills. If we take them in the valleys, in the plains, they can't do it. It's a foolish thing if you ever said can't, God can't do anything. Basically, what the Syrians were saying is, their God, yeah, he worked up there. Maybe it was a bit of a fluke. Maybe, you know, it just worked out. But God is no use in, the, in this next situation. It's a wonderful sort of uh, thought that people would be so presumptuous to think, God, well, you know, maybe he was of use some stage, but he's not of use now. And we know what happened to Zacharias when he doubted God. You know, in uh, Luke chapter 1, when uh, the angel came and said what was going to happen, and Zacharias said, how can this be? What ended up? He was dumb. <laughs> you know, God, did, God took a, a very dim view of people that says, oh, no, you can't do this. And this is <coughs> the great... Um, wonderful thing about God, there are no limitations Hallelujah. about what God can do. Amen. Yeah. They were saying God is limited to the hills, but God isn't limited to anywhere. God, there's nothing beyond, there's no situation, there's no place, no circumstance, no problem that God can't deal with. Yes. He can yes. see the whole lot. And it still may be, and it, <laughs> you know, looking out, of the problem, you know, it said there were like two little flocks of goats while the Syrians filled the whole countryside. I mean, looking out at that problem, your knees would probably be knocking. You're thinking, how am I going to get out of this situation? How are we going to deal with this? You know? <laughs> Again, we're going to see the prophet turns up. What makes the difference is the word of God coming again. Verse 28. Then a man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and says, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys. Therefore I will deliver this great multitude into your hands, and you shall know that I am the Lord. The prophet came, the word came, God was going to move. Different battle, different circumstances, the word of God still prevailed. The word of God came, the word of God showed the way, 
and the battle was won. It says, and they encamped opposite each other for seven days. So it was on the seventh day that the battle was joined, and the children of Israel killed 100,000 foot soldiers of the Syrians in one day. But the rest fled to Abhag into the city, and then a wall fell on 27,000 of the men who were left. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> you know, when we think of walls falling, we think about Jericho falling. But here was a wall that fell and killed 27,000, you know. God can change any circumstances. You know, when these guys fell, you know, the wall just killed 27,000 of them. You know, it's God. You know, who would ever have thought of it? Um, it's, it's wonderful how we can think how God can take and have his name honored, you know. And the thought was really coming to, because the Syrians have said, the Lord is a God of the hills, but he's not a God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver this great multitude into your hand. In this present world that we are living in, the world is saying, and I, I think more than ever they're saying, well, God's really a God of the past. We have the Bible. It talks about stuff in the past, but God's not relevant for today. If you listen to some of the uh, talk shows, if you listen to some of the debates that are about God, will, no, God's not for today. We, we don't have to abide by God's rule. We don't have to think about the Bible as the moral guide for our society. We don't have to look to the Bible to give any direction. We can all, we, you know, we are scientifically minded. We know how it all started. We can look after ourselves. We don't need God. God was okay in the past. Yes, there was something happened with Jesus away in the history, but we don't need God today. That's what a lot of the world is saying. God is not relevant for today. They're just saying we don't want God. We don't want God in our schools. We don't want God in our uh, parliaments. We don't want God in our families. You know, God hasn't a place. He's, yes, maybe in the past, it's as like they're saying he was a God of the hills. But today, in our modern, God has no place. Oh, how foolish they are. When people dismiss Almighty God, the end is still going to be the same. We know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isaiah 13 verse 11 says, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Psalm 33, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. We all know how it ends. Pastor talks many times about how he's preached about prophecies concerning the end times and how even in the length of time he's been preaching here, how he can cite prophecies that are coming to pass, that are coming to pass. <laughs> We're maybe not going to see it on the six o'clock news. It's maybe not going to be all over YouTube. God is still a God of not only the hills, but the valleys of time, of eternity. God has still got the whole picture in control, you know? The world trying to dismiss God as not being relevant. But there is a challenge for us at times that we might think, well, God was good in the 1859 revival. 
God worked well for, you know, the guys at the front, or God has delivered somebody, but what about me? Can God work for me? Is God still able to do things in my life? Um, sometimes we can maybe be not fully appreciating that God has a plan and God has a way and God has a, a way forward for us in every situation that we find us. Never be disheartened that God is not on our side. Never think that God doesn't see what's going on. We may think, well, God can't deliver me. God can't heal me. God can't deliver me. We may think it might have happened, you know, or to, it might happen to this brother or this sister and God was good to them, but it can't happen to me. Don't allow ourselves to be like the Syrians and limit what God can do. Don't say God can't do it because God can. God is more than willing, you know. We may feel like how the psalmist wrote in Psalm 22, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that applies to what Jesus was doing on the cross. But David was writing it as well. Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there's no one to help. But you, O God, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. The psalmist was in a few pickles at times, but God came, God delivered. And he was just overwhelmed at times, but God came through. And we know how much David talked about the word and the importance of the word. The power of the word of God when we obey it in faith is the answer for any situation. Situation. These two battles show us that when the prophet came and they followed the directions of the prophet, everything changed. They were like two wee goats while the enemy filled the countryside. There was 32 kings against them, but they were all scattered because they had the word of God and they followed it in faith. Always believe that we can have the word of God and a direction. Like I'm saying, there's the headline word, you know, you're going to be all right, but believe for the actual direction in your situations. <coughs> as well as the word of God, we have a couple of other strengths that make the difference. Romans 8 is a wonderful chapter. Um, we know that the Holy Spirit helps us. And I'm just going to read a few verses here. Um, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> There's times when, for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God who are called according to his purpose. The Spirit is working on our behalf. There's a praying going on by the Holy Spirit of things that we can't even get our heads around. It's wonderful. We, it doesn't stop there. We go on in you know, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is he who con- who is it he that condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore is risen? Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril or sword? If we've fallen into any of those categories, you know, we're never away from the love of God. We have the Spirit praying for us. We have the Jesus saying that he is interceding. You know, we have the Jesus praying for us, you know, intercession for us by the very Son of God. It gets better. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Clifford mentioned this verse this morning. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Therefore, come, boldly come to the throne of grace. We have a responsibility too. You know, we can let the enemy come. And, you know, when Ahab was in this situation, he called the elders and they had, you know, said, well, don't give in to him. But they didn't have a plan. The word of God still is what makes the difference. But we can come boldly to the very throne of God. Now, what does that mean? I'm sure there's, there's sermons upon sermons about what it means. The thought I want to leave with it, what does it mean in your circumstances? What does that mean to you? When have you come? When are you going? When do you come boldly to the throne of God? The children of Israel throughout their history, we know the whole idea of the priesthood, they didn't have that luxury. It was once a year. Um, we can come boldly to the very throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us. It's a wonderful challenge. There's a wonderful amount of God's love being shed out upon us in that he wants to send his word. He wants us to come boldly to him. The Spirit is working on our behalf. Jesus is working on our behalf. We have a lot going for us as we would seek and we would believe You know, we take on the word of faith and believe that God can make a difference. A psalm in summary here. Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You know, they... The Syrians were saying, oh, God's a God of the hills. Psalm 121 says, you can look to the hills, but our God made the very hills and the heavens. And this is the difference. He's not just a God that, you know, acts for something in the past. He's a God of the hills, the valleys, the plains. He's Lord of all. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Never limit what God can do. Seek out his word. 
not just a big promise, but allow the Holy Spirit to give direction, seek his direction for every situation. The Syrians found out that God isn't mocked, that they ignored God or wouldn't believe him, and they were defeated. This world, even in all their arrogance and all their, uh, we don't believe in God, they will find out. You know, we have read the last chapters. We know that the books are going to be opened. We know that there's going to come a judgment. We know that no matter what they say, God has got the whole thing. God knows the beginning from the end. But we are here in this moment of time. Believe that no matter what circumstance, whatever situations, that the prophet is at work and come. The spirit can speak into your situation and can make the difference. Seek the word continually. We're going to sing a song, um, and after that then we'll pray. It's a song we sang this morning, but it sums up greatly uh, what we're we're trying to to think about this evening. God is on our side. The importance of the word of God in that, um, and it's really to encourage you to take heart that God is not just a, a God of the past or a God for somebody else, There is no limit to what God can do. We used to sing that song, it is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he can do for you. You So don't put a limit on. And allow just the, uh, the truth and allow the spirit and whatever you're facing, allow the spirit to bring the word of God into your situation because that's what makes the difference. Amen. So we're going to sing this song. Clifford, come and lead us, and then we'll we'll, we'll close in prayer. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.